coming straight from the cockpit. It's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go. All right, once again, we are back with another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, and I am the fucking pilot back in the can to have what I'm sure is going to be a pretty interesting conversation with another cool cat. So tell me, who the fuck are you, and what do you do? Hey, hey man, what's up? Hey! <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, Derek Massey, uh, Tana Master extraordinaire. Derek Massey, Tana <laughs> Master extraordinaire. So meat hauler, huh? Uh, not really. No, no, no. Just, uh, just a fun jump, Tana Master in... Uh, West Australia, Rockingham Beach. Always having fun like everyone else. Well, yeah, you sound Australian. Yeah. Do I? Yeah. 12 years I've been here, so I think it's kind of rubbing off on me. It must be because normally if an American says mate, I want to fucking smack them, which I have for about the last 10 years with you. <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> oh, see, there it is right there. So uh, just for everybody that's listening to this podcast, they should probably know in advance. You and I have known each other for a minute. Uh we we we, we kind of go back quite a way. So if this uh, if this podcast gets a little uh, over the top or insulting, it's just because I've known this fucking guy since we met in a van down by the river. Like how many years ago? How many years ago did we meet? Oh God, man! It was uh, two thousand three, two thousand four, two thousand four. No, it couldn't have been oh four. Had to have been oh three. Had to have been oh three. Maybe even oh two. Yeah, so- yeah, a while ago. Yeah, because I, as I left Las Vegas uh, uh, into 2003, and we'd been hanging out for at least a year, getting into all kinds of trouble in the the staff house. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So we we opened up um, you and I together, and uh, Eddie opened up Vegas Extreme Skydiving together. Yeah, well, and Dale was, Hinton. Yeah, yeah, and Dale Hinton. That's right. Yep, and that was uh, in the Scooby Doo van. <laughs> it was in the Scooby Doo yeah. van. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I was actually working for uh, another, uh, I think it was Vegas skydiving at the time. And I just started working there, actually. And uh, you kind of, you guys kind of crept in and pulled me outside and kind of. Uh... <laughs> actually, dude, it was, it was literally, it was literally like the fucking creepy guy with the candy. Hey, kid, uh, we got some candy. Come get in the van. And we literally dragged oh, your ass into the van to get you to come to work for us instead of the competition. God, it was like it was a horrible drug deal gone bad or something. It was just like, come on in here. Yep, yep. Not- <laughs> and so you talking about the cash we're going to be making. Like every Tana Master's dream, ooh, more cash, more jumps. Yeah, yeah, I'm in, I'm in. All right, right. And that pretty <laughs> much set the tone for, uh, I, I guess, your entire fucking future life was you should have never gotten in the goddamn van, man. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. So, well, all right. Let's let's so, back up. Uh, let's back up a whole lot. Uh, How did you get started in uh, skydiving? Did you do other extreme sports before you started jumping? Oh yeah, man. Like like most of us, you know, we we, we start off small. And I, I've been I've had my scuba license since I was thirteen. I think that was probably the the, the first time I, I. And that's really not an extreme kind of sport, but it's you know it was kind of extreme for me at thirteen. Um, it's pretty fucking yeah. extreme when it's with you. <laughs> we always try to push the line, don't we? Dude, you almost, yeah. we're not, I'm not even going to let you finish this sentence because I had almost forgotten about this. I must have blacked this one out because it was such a horrible memory. The very first time I ever went scuba diving, I almost died like three times because of you. <laughs> scuba diving was fucking raging extreme with you. Holy shit. Dude. Well, 
But was it not fun getting uh, that narcosis going dude, and kind of you losing your literally? It was all right. Put this on your back. Push this to go down. Push this to go up. Don't go up faster than your slowest bubble. And you dove in the water. My second scuba dive ever was in the dark at <laughs> night. And you left me alone and went swimming inside a boat so that you could laugh to yourself that you were sitting on the toilet. And I'm in the pitch black freaking out. But you did, you did have your hands on the side. I kind of knew what you were doing all the time. I didn't really leave you. I left you alone. You thought you were alone. Oh, I was alone. I had you. Yeah. No. And then we get back up. I was sitting on the toilet, man. It was so much fun. <laughs> Okay, so you're a scuba diver. We got that. Yeah, you scuba dive. What else? Uh, wake, a lot of wakeboarding, a lot of snowboarding. Um, yeah, just motocross, you know? I mean, just the things you do growing up, I guess. The standard stuff. Well, how'd, so how'd you get started in skydiving? Did a, um, well, my first tandem, I, um, I was in the military, and I was uh, just driving by a random drop zone. And just kind of looked over and just, just literally on the whim went, oh, yeah, fuck, I'll try that. I just pulled in. And uh, it was actually a fucking, it was a fucking horrible experience, man, my first skydive. <laughs> uh, I, I, remember, I, remember, I remember just shaking. I was so fucking nervous. You know, just sitting there just shaking like I was just freezing. And we're up at altitude and I'm just I'm getting kind of self-conscious about how badly I'm shaking. I'm just like, fuck, I'm ready for this. I want to do this. But I'm just really like anxious for it, you know? And uh, I just remember my instructor going, oh, you all right, man? I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm just a bit cold. <laughs> and I don't think he was buying it. It was like, it was like 40 degrees or uh, Celsius. So it was, like, it was like 90 degrees. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he knew. And I'm shaking, shivering like, a, you know. <laughs> and, and the worst thing is, you know, in 22 years, I've never heard such a lame excuse by anyone else other than myself on my first skydive. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, my instructor was a short guy, really big belly on him. We all know a couple of these in our lives. Yeah. This guy was, just, um, wow. You know, I'm, I'm six, almost six, three. So imagine him on my frame on the back. Um, this is one, this is before they had the new harnesses. So hardly any padding at all. Sure. And my only real memory of that skydive was how uncomfortable I was. <laughs> like I, this was not a nice experience at all, man. Like my arms and legs completely, like he did the harness up. Now I know thinking back on it, like he did everything wrong. You know, the exit was, exit was fucked up. The, how he put the harness on me was, was completely wrong. I, I lost all feeling in my arms and my legs. <laughs> Yeah. God. So under canopy, like I'm literally like just hanging there. And he's like, yeah, all right. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. As as any passenger would say, they're an instructor. You know, and you're like, oh, yeah, I guess this is normal. It's my first time. I don't fucking know. How am I supposed to be? Right. And I'm still shitless. Yeah, whatever. Um, as soon as we landed, you know, when I couldn't get my legs up, I couldn't do anything. Couldn't feel anything. Like as soon as we landed, I literally fell over. And I'm, I'm kind of trying to have this conversation with him and trying to help trying to push myself up with my arms and I can't feel my hands or my elbows, nothing. You know, he's just looking at me like, you all right, you all right. And I'm like, yeah, I just can't feel anything. And he's just looking at me like puzzled, like this has never happened to him before, you know? <laughs> like, oh man. Yeah, that was my first experience, man. And I, I never fucking wanted to do it again. Well, so of course you uh, did. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> fucking <laughs> such a, Oh, see for <laughs> those, give it one more. 
For those that don't <laughs> know you, that story, yeah, the, the fact that you ended up becoming a skydiver confuses them. For those of us that know you, it makes perfect sense. Of course he did it again. Of course. Why wouldn't he? Well, so what was the first good experience? Because you took it in the ass on your first jump. Yeah, true, true. Um, first good experience was, I guess, the, when I came back, I was actually just trying to get in this chick's pants. And uh, she wanted to go on a tan. And, of course, you know, yeah, I, I, I've gone on a tandem. Come with me. I'll, I'll, I'll show you the ropes. You, you were know? that guy? <laughs> yeah, no, no. no I was, I was, uh, I'd, I'd seen her maybe once or twice, right? And, uh, yeah, I was, I was literally like, I remember hopping, I was in the military at the time still, I was on the elevator on the way down and she'd come over, we were, we were on our way to the drop zone and the funny, and ironically enough, we get on the elevator and there's this guy on standing in the elevator, with two casts, he had a cast on each leg, right? <laughs> and he's holding he his rig. Like how random is that? Yeah. Uh, right. So I was right. like, fuck, what happened to you? And he was like, oh, hard landing, mate. He was Australian guy. Oh no. I'm, I'm in San Diego at the time and I'm in the military and I, I don't know too many people from Australia at this time. This is the first guy really I've, I've really met from Australia at this sure. time. And he was going on about how he had two bad landings. He had one bad landing, broke his leg, right? went up for another one and broke his other leg because he tried to favor the other leg on the second jump and, it, and he fucked up his left leg. Oh. So he's going back down the drop zone to do a third jump, right? Another jump. I don't know how many jumps he had at the time, but and he was going to practice packing his parachute. And he's talking, you know, he's talking to chick up that I was taking down. So I'm thinking, all right, now I've got to pull my cool card out, you know, and uh, how do you want up? So a, a guy with two broken legs on his way down the drop zone, Mr. Fucking Extreme. Yeah, it's pretty tough. <laughs> you know, yeah, you don't do it. But uh, I had a cool, um, yeah, I had a really fun jump on that one. It was just supposed to be a tandem. And then halfway down there, she's like, oh, she starts getting really motivated from this guy. And she's like, let's get our license while we're down there. And I'm thinking, oh, fuck. Now I've really got to stand up here and get my fucking license, man. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's really how it how it all started, man. I just uh, trying to get a piece of ass, and I ended up wearing a freaking parachute. Did you did day. you actually get the piece of ass? Did you get laid? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, Not that much effort for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time that's happened, though. You never know. That's true. That's true. Well, so but yeah, that was so. Y- you got you went from being the, the having the horrible first jump and just the shitty experience to almost kind of bullying yourself into the sport and uh, um, trying not to be the pussy that's getting outdone by the guy with the broken legs and stuff um, to <laughs> to becoming um, like by the time you and I were working together, we were those guys that were the first ones to say, yeah, fuck it. We were the first ones yeah. to do all of it. Like, will you? Yeah, 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 whatever. Can you? Yeah, yeah, sure. We'll take him. I mean, fuck me. What? How big was that one guy that we got forced into taking? Well, this is, I mean, this is back when they, before they really started enforcing the rules and really hitting on safety as well, you know? Oh, yeah. And, you know, (laughs) one of the things I am, I'm I'm a tandem master, but I'm also a safety officer here as well. (laughs) But, But back in those days, I mean, Oh, it was cowboy. Most people, it was just really free range, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was all cowboy country. Yeah, and it was, you know, and, and I think Eddie's whole thing was, you know, you want a paycheck, do the jumps. Yep. He didn't really care. As long as you're comfortable doing it, yep. we were in the air. Well, what was and the deal with rules. What was the deal with that one big guy was he was paying for this whole huge fucking group oh, yeah. 
to jump, and the bottom he, line was if he wasn't going to get to jump, nobody was going to jump? Yeah, I remember him. That was uh, Brett, yeah. He was huge. Going through his last he was he was uh 350 something like that he was he was a big boy man three 350 380 he was the biggest guy one of the biggest guys i've ever taken man and this was back when i only had what three four thousand tandems at the time so i was pretty you know, i was pretty i was pretty balls to the wall then i was pretty comfortable but i was pretty skilled so i'm saying actually we both we, we rochambeaued for that one remember who was going to do the video and who was going to do the tandem yes i remember that and i remember thinking it was the greatest fucking thing in the world it's probably one of the only times i won rock paper scissors and thank fuck for that but i'll tell you what man i about snapped myself in half trying to shoot that video yeah he that guy he was he came down if i can remember right he came down with about 12 13 of his uh, this was just after um, 9-11, yep. right? And it was the director of Homeland Security. So he brought his whole team down to do a big skydive. Yeah, this was, was, one of those yeah. this was right when they had uh, had let us start flying again after 9-11 because we were down for, what, two months? A long time, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. other drop zones, we were, I was down at um, Skydive Las Vegas just before that. And we were, yeah, it was a lot of downs, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, yeah, yeah. this... I remember he was he was really pushing the weight limit. You and I Rochambeaued for it. I remember losing just I I remember just being in the in the door of the of the one eight two, looking out, going, How the fuck am I getting out of this plane? There's no way. Like you, you just you're sometimes you look at a situation and go, Okay, I did say yes to this, but I didn't realize how <laughs> difficult this was gonna be. And it wasn't even the landing I was worried about. You know, I picked my favorite rig and the parachute was just kind of, you know what I mean? It was just had that right trim in it so you can right. have a nice right. air if you timed it right. You know, so I was pretty feeling pretty confident with that. It was the exit I was worried about. And it was really low as well. We, we didn't go all the way up to – it was just under 5,000 feet or something, wasn't no, it? No, was I think like, it was – we probably rolled out the door at about 8,000 feet was our average. Yeah, yeah it, was, uh, it was uncomfortable. I remember – Tell him in the door, I'm like, you're going to have to pull me. I'm like, just pull. Pull us out the door, you know? You basically skull drag us out the door. And I remember looking at you, and you just, you've got the little, this is back when they had the little, little cameras, and you know, the blowing, the little blow oh, switch yeah. in there. And you just start to convince your lips, and you're looking at me with this fucking shit grin, like, fuck that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Well, and people yeah. should understand that's actually kind of kind of the the friendship that you and I have, and I'm sure a lot of people, of course, skydivers have, is that uh, um, seeing you suffer gives me enormous <laughs> pleasure. <laughs> seeing you strapped to a half a ton of human being, literally ripping your head from your shoulders out the door of a 182, just tickled me pink. I was fucking loving it because I knew somehow I just knew you were going to pull it off, but I knew it was going to suck every step of the way for you. So it was so much fun. Yeah. yeah. Good times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we did a lot of stupid shit together at that drop zone. I mean, fuck, we did the, the, the fog jump. Oh, Jesus, man. That's another one. That's another real good one. Yeah. That we got okay, forced into. That? Yeah, and it was it wasn't really cloudy that day. It was like it was a beautiful morning, beautiful day. Yeah, it was load one. Weird... Yeah, load one. Load one. It was I a remember... little bit fucking hazy, and and uh, 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 Eddie's like, you know, let's go, let's go. And both you and I look out, and we're like, all right, yeah. I mean, it's a little hazy, but it doesn't look that fucking bad. So we'll go ahead and take off. Yeah, it didn't. And so 
up we go, and by the time we get to altitude, it's not fucking just slightly hazy. The entire dry lake bed is a wall of fog. Yeah, yeah. and I didn't. And neither one of us knew how how deep it was either. You know what I mean? It was it was you know two hundred feet or twenty feet or what it, what it was. You know, but I never looked out going, okay, well if we keep climbing, that stuff should be out of the way because it was just. It was just in one area, you yep. know what I mean? Just in that little point in, in the desert, in yep. that little lake bed. And thinking, oh, if it's just a little bit breezy above it. Like on the climb to the altitude, you can feel a bit of the wind. We're like, okay, if that drops a bit, we're, we'll probably be okay. And I just remember looking at you and we're like, just back and forth. We're like, ah, uh, not even really said anything, but yeah, we got this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how bad could it be? Fuck it. It'd be all right. <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck it. Oh, God. What, uh, uh, what altitude do you think? What altitude do you think we hit the fog at? Um, it was a couple thousand feet, would, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, it, it, it was up there, man. It was. Um, I just remember as soon as I hit the fog, just thinking, okay, hopefully it's risen a bit and it's going to be clear under it, because at this altitude, on the way down, you're going to have to do a couple turns because I, I kind of had the general idea where the drop zone was sure. and we were kind of upwind still a little bit. But even if you did a two couple turns, you're going to miss that fucking target, man. And you get the highway right there. That's just next to it. we got power lines there. Yeah. High thinking, tension power lines, a highway. And on, if, if that's not enough on the opposite side of the landing area is fucking mountains. Yeah. 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 And I was, uh, I was just kind of worried about if, if we did low turns that, you just don't know where the, when the ground's coming up, you know? Right. But, uh, yeah, I remember just being ready for it going to just stare at the ground. And, and I had my poor guy, he was holding his legs. I'm like, let's go ahead and practice that, the landing, you know, and I had him lift his legs and have his hands under his knees. I'm like, just get your legs up. And he's like, he, he's just struggling. I'm like, ah, and I didn't want to say we got to hold this for four minutes. Right. You know, but I just want him to be unprepared by the time we hit the ground to break his legs on the way. Cause I knew it was going to be like a last second kind of, you know, stab the brakes and hopefully you got enough wind to, to, to pound it. Oh, but, yeah. Well, and, which is- and of course, on top of that, both you and I are both acutely aware that there's another fucking parachute out here somewhere that's, I mean, we were in that <laughs> shit at the same time, both yeah. going, fuck, I know he's doing exactly what I'm doing and trying to figure out exactly where the fuck he's at as well. And so I'm like, all right, now I can't even, I can't even put canopy collision into my mind because there's just no fucking way can't do anything about it. And it was, I did the same thing. I had my students legs up like from 1500 feet on the way down with no idea where the ground was. Uh. Oh my God. And I'm sure it was the same for you. It literally was nothing, 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 nothing ground. Fuck flare. Dude, it was freaking scary. But I remember just, I remember seeing the bush, right? It's like a two and a half foot bush. And as soon as I just stabbed it as hard and as fast as I could, you know, you only have, that's the only thing you can do. And just, I mean, we caught a little bit of air, but really nothing. I mean, you don't have, there's no, there was no time. So yeah, we pounded in the ground, but he has legs up. And I remember just eating, a, making the biggest divot and then walking back, laughing, knowing that you had the same shitty jump made me happy, you know? <laughs> see, exactly, exactly. I wonder how Dean did. I can't wait to see here how Dean did. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if he's still got all his teeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, that was, we had some fucking hectic stuff there. Some seriously hectic stuff. But, but all right. Was, no, 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 go ahead. Yeah, no, there was really, we really had no wind limits either there. He was, he was set on just, 
remember the uppers sometimes being 90 knots out of one direction. Oh, yeah. You know, out of the, out of the northeast and, and then, you know, 2,000 feet lower, 70 knots out of the opposite direction and trying to spot the 182 with no GPS. It'll be, oh, yeah. It become a massive spot in the plane, but it was still kind of like, okay, we still have to land with 35, 40 knots going, sure. okay, we're going backwards. Sure. You know, I come out here and the boys like, you know, sometimes we jump in some pretty high winds here. It gets pretty hectic, but all that experience in Vegas landing backwards has come into play a few times going, okay, here we go. I've been here before. Oh, but. hell yeah. I mean, without a doubt, man, it made all the difference in the world for all kinds of jumps that I did in the future. Well, and we were in a unique position because we both worked at the same drop zone for a guy who didn't take no for an answer. It was, you do this shit or you stop getting paid. But it wasn't just that. We all lived in staff housing that was basically managed by the guy that was, you know, paying us. So we were between a rock and a hard place. If you said no, you weren't just out of pay for that jump. You were out of a job and out of your house. Out of your house, yeah. Yep. Some fucking hectic shit went on. Yeah. That yeah. house, oh my no. God, the stuff that went on in that house. <laughs> it got uh, The bachelor. Man, that was a good little spot, wasn't it? A little hot tub we threw in the back there, and oh, that was a it was that was, that was, a, that was a fun place. It was a good place for you and me. He wasn't getting much. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was a good. Place. Oh man, and I've told the story a few times. This, this is just to bring up another little thing. Remember when we had the little promo where it was uh, naked skydives were free? Yes. We had, a, we had, a, when we first opened it up, we're like, okay, how do we get business? We're like, oh, you know, fuck it. It's Vegas. Naked skydives free. And everybody and their brother, of course, came out. <laughs> you had to take one for the team every once in a while where the bloke showed up and wanted the naked sky. But yep. in general, I mean, almost all the strippers, of course, were like, okay, well, I take my clothes off for a living anyway. Fuck it. I'm going skydiving. <laughs> Damn right. So the first month. You know, <laughs> I can't count how many times we were Rochambeauing for the video on that one. Oh, I know it. Well, <laughs> there was it was a win-win though, because either you're strapped to some little hot thing that's naked, or you're shooting video of it. So either way, well, yeah. except for was it you that took the porn star on the naked skydive, and she looked pretty decent on the ground, but as we all know, even the tightest body in freefall is not the most attractive thing in the world, and you. I yeah. shot the video and and it, I I'll never fucking forget it because I got I got down and low and in your face and I'm shooting the video and she's screaming and yelling and she's got these rock hard fake boobs that aren't moving at all but everything else is moving and then you look me <laughs> in the eyes and I fucking you gave me this look like you're not going to enjoy this and did a slow 360 and by the time you got 180 <laughs> degrees away from me I got the view of something that will never, ever leave me. <laughs> I can almost hear free fall. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Um, pretty good. I mean, that being said, nobody and nothing, bare skin does not look good in free fall. I don't care how good a shape you're in. But uh, yeah, wow. Wow. All right, so we've gotten way, way ahead of ourselves. So you, you make this you make this first jump, you hate it. You make your second jump, you become licensed and everything. When did you start working in the sport? Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty quick, actually. Um, my old really good mate, um, 
Adam Callahan. He's passed away since, but um, he um, kind of took me under his wing when I first started skydiving. Hmm. And uh, he was, uh, he had Mr. He had like 12,000 skydives when I started back in the 90s, you know. And uh, yeah, they called him Swoop. And uh, he was always pushing me into getting free skydives because I started um, almost living at the drop center at that point. Um, I got out of the military and I was doing, um, working for uh, a brokerage. And I was, at the end of the day, I was running down to the drop zone, just tr- try to get that sunset load in. Sure. Right. So working to try to skydive to work to skydive. I'm like, oh, it's a fucking vicious cycle. What am I doing? You know, the, around that time, you can see what was going on going, yeah, you're struggling. You know, he's just like, get on every load, try to shoot the videos, try to, I'm like, no, no, no. I'm just literally talking myself out of it and talking, trying to talk him out of talking me into it. Oh, you know? right. um, Buzz, the old owner at the uh, start of San Diego before they um, closed down was, um, he was starting to put me on with just a, just a few, few skydives under my belt, almost around, around a hundred or so. And, uh, yeah, Adam was just pushing me into to selling the videos for slot. So mm. just jump out and literally tried to stay as close as I could. This is when the giant cameras, that's all they had back then. Sure. Strapped to my head, a little gaff helmet, a little surfer helmet, trying to make it all work. But, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I was doing that. And, um, I think I, I don't even remember. I don't think I had, I didn't even have my, um, my, uh, allotted number of, of jumps be, before I went to my tandem course. I think I botched my logbook. Just uh, you wouldn't just, have been the first make, back then, man. <laughs> and I wasn't. I, yeah, this is why I, I don't feel bad saying it. Well, so when, a lot of people do. When you were back there, uh, uh, that was Otai Lakes, yeah. Uh, no, well, yeah, it was um, before Otai Lakes was Brownsfield Airport, which is around the border of Mexico and San Diego. Yeah, so that's what's now the a pretty fucking big airport. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's changed over the. That was back in 95, 96? Yeah, so same time I started because I actually ended up flying for Buzz Fink in, in uh, um, Skydive San Diego for about a month uh, in the Chicago water over one uh, winter. Um, so I was out there yeah. for a while. So was was Skydive San Diego like the big party drop zone back then when you started? Was was the – It was. It was. It was a big one. It was uh, – of course, we were all just – you know, it – everybody was having a good time, and I don't think it was really kind of under the radar. It was – you have a have a drag of this, do a little bit of that, and let's go let's go do a fun jump. And that was, was very very loose back then. Safety meetings, of course. The owners, yeah, safety meetings right behind the uh, seat container. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, because because uh, was Adam was working there at the time, wasn't he? Yeah, but yeah, he was he was he started working when he was sixteen years old. But now yeah. he went on so to because he took uh, uh, I took the same route he did. I should say he became a professional pilot. Yeah. True. Yep. Yeah. He was flying the otter for Buzz at the at the end there. Yep. You mind my asking? Uh, yeah, he, what what happened? I mean, I know he passed, but and I know you guys were really close friends. Yeah, he um, just had some. Uh, he went through Apache. Had some bad roommates at the time, and uh, I think he ended up um, a bit too much a drink that night. I think mixed with it was an accidental kind of like a Heath Ledger kind of thing. Oh. Just an accidental cocktail. Yeah. That yep. sucks, man. Of course, we all think we're professional at doing that until it hits you in the face, and then it's like, oh, son of a bitch. Oh, yeah, man. Well, I'm sure you're the same with me because I know you've had a fuckload of surgeries as well. And, and looking back at, at literally what the doctors had given me, 
and taking what was prescribed, uh, I can look back at recovering from shoulder surgeries and, and this and that and the other stuff and go, how the fuck did I not die swallowing the pills that they were telling me to take? Because I looked up, I think it was when Heath Ledger died, I actually looked up the mix that killed him and I went, I've taken that exact combination more times than I can possibly count on doctor's orders. Yeah. Yeah, me too, man. It's, it was a cocktail that I think a lot of people were taking. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, it, it's like that for all of us to go, oh, shit, I think I've done that before a few times. You oh, know, yeah. but you don't realize how dangerous it is until somebody else passes away and you're like, you start reflecting on maybe I shouldn't be taking some of that shit at sure. the same time I'm drinking some. Right. Well, yeah. now, so speaking, since we're on that track, um, you've had all kinds of surgeries and, and some of them skydiving related, some of them not. Um, but, uh, I mean, you went through a really fucking hard, uh, section there, especially with your back and your neck. Yeah. Yeah, man. I was uh, actually, they're all skydive related actually. Um, but not, not only one was, um, I'd broken my neck back in 2000. Um, how'd you do it? And it was, uh, well, I was on a tandem <laughs> and, uh, I was, oh, sorry. And I was on, I was on a, um, some video jump. Sorry. And uh, it was me and Simon were working at, at uh, Sky of Las Vegas at the time. Simon Wade. And most of the staff. Simon Wade, yep. And uh, most of the staff had gone home for the day. And it was just Simon and I busted them out. And there was only one guy left, you know, a couple guys. And I was doing a video for Simon. I think that was his last jump for the day after that. But on, on the opening, it was, again, it was back when the, the Scottif gear was quite heavy at the time. Mm. And... Uh, it was a combination. I, I, I had a quite a schwack, a big heart opening, you know. And I had the habit of always looking back, looking up at my yeah, up my, my lines, yeah, and grabbing the grabbing the rise at the time. And not not a very smart thing to do with a big camera set on your on your head. You should be tucking your chin, you know. Sure. But yeah, so it was one of those, and I just had a heart opening and just snap, just my head all the way back, and just felt it vibrate into my hands, fingertips, my toes, everything. And I was just fucking going, oh, shit, I've done something. Mm. I don't know what it was. I remember landing on the ground going, oh, okay, I'm, I'm fucked up. I don't know what, I, what I've done. But I walk in and, of course, I told Michael, the owner of Sky, the old owner of Sky of Las Vegas, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm hurt. And he's like, oh, you hurt? Are you injured? And I'm like, oh, no, I've heard this before. I'm like, uh, shit. you dare not say you're injured because, you know, he's – I don't want to be off work or missing sure. my jumps for the, for the sure. week. So I, I said, oh, I guess I'm, I just hurt a little bit. And he goes, oh, well, you've got a tandem on the next load then. And he goes, get back up. And I could barely walk, man. I could, I, I'd just broken my neck. I broke my C2 mm. in half. Same break Chris Reeves has. Well, I was just uh, I was broken at a 90-degree bend. And uh, so I'm just sweating from the pain, you know, just – and I remember taking this guy up on the next load. He was 240 pounds. I was just like, fuck, man. I was just squeezing out the 182, just sweating from it. And I remember being in a free fall, sweating and just cringing from the pain, just st- stressing about the opening. I'm like, oh, no, the opening's coming. Fuck. Just <laughs> grabbing my grabbing my chin with both my hands going, oh, this is going to suck. You know, but after it opened up and I just oh, I grinned and bared it and sweated through it, I'm like, okay, I can – Oh, that fucking sucked. I could probably keep doing this, you know, until it heals. And that's exactly what I did for, for about six months. I dealt with that. Yep. And I didn't know it was looking for two years. Yeah. Actually, I went to a car two years later and he's like, oh, when'd you break your neck? Um, I, I've never broken my neck. He's like, nah, you broke your neck. So I think I would know if I broke my neck. He goes, would you? 
<laughs> Come here, look at the picture, dumbass. You know, he's showing me the picture. He goes, you broke it in half. You didn't just fracture it. You fucking snapped it. Yeah, he was quite shocked to hear that I was still skydiving and let it heal up. Yeah. He was just like, walk here. Well, it's, walking miracle. It's, it's funny that you got pushed into continuing to jump by uh, by Mikey Hawks. Um, I, I I personally never refer to him as Michael because that's his preferred name. I always call him Mikey because he fucking hates it. Um, uh, so, what do you what did you think working for for Mister Mikey? Did you like him? Oh man! Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, you kind of you, you kind of like all drop zone hunters to a point. I mean, they are feeding you. You know what I mean. So sure. I was quite happy that I had a sure. drop zone that I could work for. I was stoked that he hired me on. And actually, him and I, I did my best to um, to get along with him as well because I was working at Scott of San Diego, which was just a fucking epic drop zone. Mm. And and I, I was just I moved I moved out to Vegas because I started partying so fucking hard in San Diego. I was like, oh, man, I, I got to get away. <laughs> you were partying so hard in San Diego that you moved to Vegas. <laughs> I know. I need, to, I need to move to Vegas and clean up. That's, what, that's, that's the mentality I had. <laughs> that would be easier on my body if I just moved to Vegas. I know I can get clean there. All right. <laughs> yeah, which I did, but it was just kind of a backwards kind of avenue. Sure. And uh, they're all kind of warning me, like, don't do it. Don't work for them. You're going to hate it. And I'm like, oh, I, was, I, can, I can put up. I can put up. I can put up with anybody. I can put up with this guy. No problem. No problem. And I did for about six months. Mm. Until, yeah, until he just, it was just too much. Yep. I, you know, it was yep. some people you just don't click with, you know, and without dogging the guy too much, he's not here to defend himself. But uh, I have never you know? in the entire time you and I have known each other hear you be so fucking diplomatic talking about anybody. Michael Hawks is the biggest <laughs> fucking cock stain in skydiving. He was the biggest bastard, the biggest piece of shit I ever met. I think the stat that I remember was in the two and a half years that I worked for that piece of shit, he went through over 200 staff members. Yeah. He had Kevin, who at the time was one of the nicest guys in the world. The first fucking day he worked for him, Kevin went after him with a padlock in his hand. <laughs> well, man, he would have these. I'll give you an example. So in order for the day to go forward in a, in a nice, timely, efficient OCD kind of way. Mm -hmm. He painted green footsteps from his door to the plane, right? And if the staff were not moving and stepping in those green steps all the way to the plane, then we weren't moving fast enough to the plane. Mm -hmm. So the day would go mm -hmm. slower. And he would get on the mic going, guys, stay in the steps, stay in the steps. That's what he would say. And, in a very serious voice. Like he wasn't fucking around. Like he meant it. Oh, yeah. Don't go out the fucking steps. Do you, uh, yeah, so um, do you remember what he would, uh, when we'd call for the pilot would call for winds on the two minute call, what he would say if it was too strong. Cause our, our wind limit was 30 miles per hour. 30 or 31. I think it was 31. I think no, it was 30. And then they moved it to 31. I think. But do you remember what he would say later. when it was over, but he wanted you to keep jumping? I never heard him say it was over ever. Exactly. <laughs> he would just say it's a strong 30. <laughs> strong 30, exactly. It was never over. It could be 43 and be like, not nope, strong 30. Oh, dude. <laughs> I fucking backed a stiletto 120 up going backwards faster than it flew forward, and he had called it a strong 30. 
Yeah. Well, it was a strong 30. Goddamn right it was. <laughs> yeah, 40 plus is definitely a strong 30. <laughs> well, so you, sur- it, it, you you survived six months with Hawks. That's actually pretty good. No, that was the first six months. The first six months. Yeah, that was a, yeah I survived longer than that. With I worked there for a couple, uh, see, 2000 to 2002. Two years I worked for Hawks. All right. All right. And, yeah. and we didn't get for a year and a half after that. Right. Well, and, <laughs> and then, um, then you and I started working together on the other side of the hill in Gene, Nevada. Yeah. And that's where, yeah. that's where we coaxed you into the van and ruined your life. <laughs> yeah. So you, and Hawks is over by Boulder city. It was in Boulder city over the Hoover Dam. Yeah. 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 So uh, yeah. now you did other stuff in in Vegas to uh, um, to supplement your income because you stopped jumping for a little while uh, while you were in. Or were you still jumping when you when you started your other work? I was I was still jumping. It was just um, I met um, I met the ex um, in two thousand four, right? Two thousand three, two thousand four, right? And uh, when she came along for on her thirtieth birthday. She brought uh, like six or seven other people on the entourage, and Kevin McLeod, real good mate of mine, but he was the um, general manager at uh, Cheetah's Strip Club in Vegas. Yep. And, uh, he was, of course, he was stoked on the whole Scott Evan, just wanted to do anything to help me out, and was just like, oh, I've got an opening position. And of course, I was turning it down at the time, going, oh, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm doing seven days a week here. And he's like, oh, don't fucking pass it up. And the ex, she was actually, Nicholas was actually talking me into working there. I'm like, hold on, this my girlfriend at the time was talking me into working at strip club. He's like, dude, it's like three grand a night you're going to be making. I'm like, yeah, fuck. All right. I'll, I'll, I don't care what I'm doing. I'll, I'll make that happen. You know, three grand a night. Who does, who passes that up? Right. And it was only two nights as well. So yeah, for a couple of years, I worked at, uh, as a bouncer at the, at the strip club. Stepped into my world. People. Yeah, that's right, man. That's yeah. Which is why we had to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, because uh, you were you were the bouncer and the facilitator, and I was one of the talent. <laughs> oh, those yeah. were some weird fucking times, man. Those were some weird times. My head's just spinning back and reminiscing. Yeah, man. I, I we used to go in there all the time. Just did. I remember we. See, I think it was Cheetahs when I first started working there. Like, oh, inter- you're introducing me to, to a couple of girls at Cheetahs at the place I was getting ready to work at. Yes, that you knew. That sounds about right. Uh, Olympic, OG, Olympic Gardens was was you worked at? Yeah. OG, OG. OG Olympic Garden was my was my club for years, man. Yeah, for fuck, I danced in that club for like eight years. Yeah, <laughs> I just I remember thinking, fuck, this guy knows every fucking stripper, man. Every time a chick would walk by, like, oh yeah, hey sweetheart, hey come here. I'm like, fuck, man, I'm supposed to be the bouncer in this club, and you know all the fucking help. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Well, all right, so we both survived Vegas. Granted, with a whole lot of stories, I'm sure we'll end up reminiscing a little bit more <laughs> about those. But um, you end up leaving Vegas, and now you're fucking twelve years down under. Yeah, man. So yeah, that's got to be a pretty fucking dramatic change from not just from Vegas and the U.S., but the USPA as opposed to uh, jumping in Australia is drastically yeah, different yeah. rules, aren't they? Yeah, a few different rules, man. They're um, they do hit a, hit a bit more on safety. Um, they're a bit more anal um, than the USPA is a bit more. They kind of leave it up to each drop zone. Sure. You know, whereas here they they. they and it's, it's one big um, company out here. You have Scott of Australia, and they have like 25 or so drop zones that they own out here now. 
and um, yeah, they, they really try to keep it keep it um, keep it safe. I mean, for as, as safe as we'll let them let us. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> allow this. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's uh, it's everybody still breaks the rules to a certain point, and on those cloudy days when it's you know you have to have a minimum of four thousand feet to, to jump. We're like, yep, that's four thousand. It could be twenty five hundred, you know. But who's fucking going to be watching? You know what I mean? <laughs> so yes, yeah, as safe as it can be. Which is but, good. Um, well, but you, I mean, you, especially when you first got there, you were jumping and working uh, hardcore jobs as well. So you were trying to fucking do it all. Yeah, man, it was uh, it was a bit of a change, a bit of a weird time in my life. Then it was um, so um, me and the ex, we um, we well, collect. We decided to move out here. Her parents are out here, and I'm like, oh fuck it, I've never, I've always wanted to go to Australia. And, We'll kick it there for a few years. Why not? So I did, did the big move out here, and we had um, we had like three or four homes that we had in Vegas. Right. So the plan was to come out here, build build a house, um, buy some land, have it all set up. We had already the land. We were getting ready to build a house. We had it all in in, in, in transition at the time. We had everything sent out to Australia at the time, and we we spent a, a, about a month in Fiji. And during that time. Um, that's when the big crash happened yep. in America. Yep. And by the time we got here, we literally lost everything. So we're going to come over with fucking a, just a, a ton of money, you know, enough to just throw down on the house, have that built up and then take a year off. Sure. That's what, that was the plan. We still have plenty of money to, to, this is nine years her and I saved in Vegas making, you know, shit tons of money. Sure. Yeah, so that was the plan. We lost everything. Ended up with like less than a thousand dollars in our bank account. Ended up living with her parents at the time. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I need to substitute. I need to. I need to do something. So I went from the the, the luxurious life in Vegas, you know, making a hundred and between a hundred and two hundred thousand a year with tips, skydiving, and, and three grand, a, a, you know, twice six grand a week from from the strip club, and just throwing money away and then saving a shitload of it to nothing. In, in another country, nonetheless, you know, going, oh, we're screwed. And, and it's quite expensive over here in Australia, especially WA, you know, which Australia is very, very expensive. So I was like, you know, and she kept telling me, you know, you should do what everybody else does out here and, and get into the mines. Everybody works in the mines. Join the mines. I'm like, fuck that. Join the mines. What am I going to do in the mines? She's like, oh. And I, I used to I used to be a, nu- a nuclear welder. So I was like, I can probably bullshit my way into the industry. I, I haven't done any welding in 20 years, man. But I, I filled out all the little you know, the CVs and sent them out to the companies. And sure enough, I went in and took the, took the little x-ray test and passed it. And they're like, yep, you're hired on. They hired me out to um, – and sent me out to the mine. So I was working a two-on and one-off shift, which means two weeks, 14, 15-hour days to one week off. And on that week off, I was skydiving. So, yeah, I was, I was on the two-in-one roster. Oof. So just – Busting my ass, and then yeah, out popped the little ones, and then wow, yeah. So I've got yeah. So it was a bit of bit of a change of pace, but <laughs> where, need, where, need where the fuck <laughs> is this diplomatic professional Derek coming from? Fuck you. 
<laughs> Change of pace, my ass. You are taking it in the ass. Oh, my God. The last time I saw you in Vegas, you were driving a really fucking nice car in this massive goddamn house. Um, she was trying to sell that Mona V fucking acai grape juice shit, which was delicious, yeah. but it was bullshit. Uh, she's trying to sell that and do all this shit. You guys are living the life of Riley. You just got anything and everything you could possibly fucking want. In fact, one of the last times that I hung out with you in your house, you were so relaxed about life. I think you had two Ambien in you, and we went to the head shop and bought a bag of salvia. Uh, cause, <laughs> cause you just didn't fucking care and had nothing to do the next day. You went from that to fucking welding shit in a mine in the outback. Yeah. Change of yeah. pace. Well, you know, it's hard to swallow, man, to be honest with you. I just try to, I try to put the smile on my face while I'm talking about it. Cause it still fucking stings. See, me quite you a remember bit. that, uh, that bit in the beginning of the podcast where I said something about, uh, sometimes your pain causes me joy. <laughs> Well, it it didn't cause that's not one it didn't cause me joy while it was happening, but watching you squirm reminiscing about it is definitely enjoyable. <laughs> well, all right. So, all that being said, so you definitely had a, a fucking rough time around it, but you stayed in the sport. A lot of people would have bailed on the sport as soon as the big money started coming in from the strip clubs and stuff, or they certainly wouldn't have used their one week off from the, the fucking mines in Australia to go skydive, man. What kept you jumping? Why? Why keep doing it? Oh man. It's uh love, love the sport, man. I, I, I love, I just, I find peace in it, you know? And I, and it's kind of a weird thing to say. And I'm sure you, I, you've had quite a few people in here that would say the same thing. It's just, it's just the, the love of something that you're doing so much passion in it that, I feel really comfortable and really relaxed when I'm doing that and everything else kind of disappears out of my life. Mm. I'm just kind of that, that those few seconds I'm out of the plane and that's, that's my time. That's the time I'm, whether I'm doing a tandem or jumping with somebody else, I'm just, I'm looking out and, and looking around going, fuck yeah, man, fucking look at this shit. Yep. It all, fucking, it all makes sense to me then, you know? So to throw that away at any point in my life would just fucking not work out for me at all. Well, and the community has you know? been real big for you too, hasn't it? Yeah, well, fuck, man. Are you kidding me? It's over the years that you meet so many fucking epic people in this sport, man. So, so many real people. Not, not that you wouldn't in any other sport, but this one especially. You just you get all walks of life. And I remember that was one of the first things when I first started skydiving. I thought it was just the weirdest thing. I'd go to the drops and I'd find, you know, you see some guy in the military, and over here to the right, you, you see a lawyer. And over there is the doctor. And the, over here is a freaking, you know, just most random people from all walks of life just dropping all their shit coming out and, and hanging out together sure. for the weekend, you know, and having a good time. So I've really met some epic people over the week or over the um, year, you know, now and, is uh, it the same, yeah. uh, same kind of vibe in Australia? I've never done any jumping down under. Yeah, it is, man. It's just like, uh, any other drop zone, you know, you, you pop into a new, a new drop zone and, um, yeah, you just, I, I've never met, I've never been to a drop zone where I haven't met some cool people. You know, you're always going to run into to so many awesome people at, at new drop zones, you know. You've always got those one or two that are, that are a bit odd, but those are the ones that give it character as well. Yeah, you know? fair enough, fair enough. Well, so how many how many jumps now? I mean, what's your bread and butter is a lot like me. You're you're kind of a professional tandem instructor. Yeah, man, I, I didn't I, – I passed up a lot of um, big ways and a lot of little record jumps and stuff and – Matter of fact, the last one I had a chance to go to, you and I Rochambeau for that one again. That was the um, 
what was the, the Guinness the Guinness book the, the record one that you were on? Remember, one of us had to stay at, in Vegas. Oh, oh, oh. We were, oh, oh there were a couple of them. Well, I did the the most number of tandems, but that was after I left. I did that at uh, Cross Keys. We did. What was it was it was it was a record jump that you had? I remember Roche and Boney for, and one of us. I had to stay back, and you went you went off to off to do it. I, that wasn't can't the, remember which one it was. That wasn't the uh, it seems was that wasn't the TV show I ended up doing for him, was it? The TLC episode, that dating story thing. Yeah, uh, that was a different one, man. That was a different one. That, it just seems like I'm always end up working for the weekend. I always make the decision. No, nah, I need a paycheck. No, nah, no, nah, I'm gonna no, nah, I'm gonna work this weekend. It's always, you know, I, I've I've got more tandems under my belt than than fun jumps. You sure. know, I'm, well, how many jumps I'm, total now? <laughs> Uh, creeping upon nineteen thousand here soon. And how many tandems you think? And fifteen thousand tandems. That's a lot of fucking meat to haul, man. Yeah, that's a lot of yeah. meat to haul. Well, a lot of fun, man. Oh I, yeah, I love doing them. Yeah, and I've met a lot of people that just can't stand them. Like, oh no, fucking tandems. Oh, and more tandems. You know, I like doing half as well, but I fucking love doing tandems. You know, yeah. I, I really that's. that's that's my fun. I've said it before. Uh, I fought it tooth and nail getting my tandem instructor's rating, and Simon Wade actually was the one that gave it to me and, and uh, hated it and hated it and hated it, and then all of a sudden realized I f- had fallen in love with it. And, and you know, I've got 11,000 jumps, and and uh, 8,000 of them are tandems, and, and I'm, I enjoyed them more, had more fun um, with the people, enjoyed the challenge of it all, enjoyed the challenge of learning to read people and what does this person need to make them comfortable and what do they need to have fun and, you know, and, and uh, uh, I don't know about you, I pat myself on the back, I never had a refusal, not one, so uh, I must have done something right. Yeah, yeah. And I remember my very first tandem, man, and that one always sticks out in my head, it was, and uh, I got talked into doing it, you know, the Buzz kept asking me, he's like, oh, you get your tandem ring, get your tandem ring. I'm like, fuck, I don't want to do it. And he's like, I'll give it to you for free. So he's giving me the rating for free. And, of course, all my buddies in, in San Diego are like, dude, you'd be a fucking fool to pass it up. Mm. I'm like, okay, well, if I do it, at least I'll have the ticket. At least I'll have that rating. You know what I mean? I'm going to throw it away. But I remember doing the very first one after you selected 10, you know what I mean? My first passenger, my real one. Where uh, his girlfriend came out, and you know, this young bloke, he was like 20, 23, 24, you know, and his girlfriend, I think it was just one of their first dates or something like that. But just the, uh, as, soon as, as soon as we landed, man, like I just, I was just so stoked that I, I think I did it all right. Like, okay, I think I did, that I was, I felt pretty good, pretty comfortable, you know, I was pretty confident in, in the jump and just looking over at him, and he's just fucking glowing. It's just like, oh man, that's fucking awesome man fuck yeah that was so killer fuck he's just going off and on and on and i'm looking at him and i've just got this big shitty grin on my face i'm like fuck yeah man that's i could fucking do this a lot that that's what's going to be coming at me every single time just building and feeding off that energy sure fucking sign up man sign me up yeah and it pretty much so that, that. that was it yeah, I mean, it pretty much is that. That's that was the energy I would always get off of tandems. I mean, obviously, you've got the the very rare one that uh, didn't enjoy it or was a little too scared. But for the most part, it's just this amazing shitload of positive energy coming at you all the time. And who gets to go to work and say that they do nothing but deal with happy people? Right. Yeah. It, no, you can't can't put a price tag on that, man. You can't put anything on that. That's just. Um... That, that and the fact that I'm doing something I love doing anyway. Sure. You know what I mean? The fact that they're fucking paying me for it. Are you kidding me? And I get to feed up people all day long. Oh, yeah. It's like a 
it's just a triple whammy, man, for me. I, I'm, I win in every direction. So you know, so after after almost nineteen thousand jumps and and twenty uh, something years in the sport, where do you see yourself con- continuing on from here? You know, what comes next? <laughs> oh man. Uh, I don't know. I haven't looked at the end yet. I'm just going to keep doing this. I, I got another 20 years of me doing this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I've, got, I've got a few things that are slowing me down. I mean, the next, the next fucks with me all day long, every day. Sure. And I've got, I've got, I've got, um, so I've broken my C2. I've got, um, C4 has been removed out of my neck. So I've got, uh, I've got a cage in my, my neck and I've got S1, L4 and L5 removed. I've got cages in my lower back and pins and plates everywhere. Yep. Yeah, I was there when so, they did some of that and fucked some of it up. Yeah, yeah. Surgeons are always fucking all over, aren't they? My, my, but, um, my, yeah. I, I'm going to stop you right there. My favorite horror story from any <laughs> surgery from anybody that I know happened to you, and I was fucking there when it happened because you had just come out of surgery. I think it was the lower back surgery, so it was a big fucking surgery. You were fucked up. You were laying in the hospital bed looking like you're near death, uh, but they said the surgery went well and all that stuff, and they had that drainage tube that was stuck in in your back next to your spine to drain all the fluid out, and the nurse accidentally yanked almost all the tube out. Well, here's here's what happened. So – What's supposed to happen is, all right. So they 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 I've gone through the surgery, right? And, he, and he's and he's he put the little drainage tube in for obvious reasons, you know, just in case the infection. Well, my back actually did get infected, right? So the the drainage tube was doing its job, um, and that's why I looked like shit in the hospital because it'd been like you know four or five extra days in there because I he's huge infection. I'm laying on my sides, and but he's come out there. He, they think it's good enough to to pull the drainage tube out, and it just. It, Essentially, all that's supposed to happen is you just pull the tube out and it's, you, know, you just close it up after that. Mm. Well, what they've done on accident, they've stitched the the actual – it's like a the, the tube that hangs out of my back was the same kind of hose that's in your fish tank. Yeah, rubber little, tubing. Really, yeah, a rubber tubing. So they've stitched that into my – around the, the muscles in by my spine, right? So this guy goes to pull it out I mean, and he's just – you know, the yank and he's just sitting there the whole time going, Oh, I don't understand. It should just come right out, you know? And he's, and he's giving it a, a fair go and he's really trying to pull on it to the point where he starts to almost pull me out of my bed as he's pulling on this fucking thing. I'm just like, and I'm, I'm just biting my tongue and he's, I'm just like, he's like, does that hurt? And I'm like, fuck yeah, that hurts, man. So he's just loading me up with all kinds of morphine, which at that time they didn't realize, but they, yeah. I'm immune to morphine. So no matter how much morphine he gives me, it, it was never doing the trick. So I had to give me all kinds of the other stuff. But he's just pulling and pulling and pulling. And he almost jerks me out of the bed until it goes snap. And he's looking at me. He's like, oh, no. And I'm like, oh, that's the last thing you want to hear when somebody's attached <laughs> to your spine. Right. Oh, no. You know? And he's just like, oh, unfortunately, it's snapped off and it's in by your spine and it's kind of hanging there. I'm like, Yeah. About that night, fuck. He's like, yeah, we're going to have to do surgery again. Yep. So they had to go back in, me back up. And yeah, that's right. You were there for that. I was. I was a bit off my head. I forgot about that. Yeah, man. No, I was there for that. And uh, when the tube snapped off and then when it was decided you were going to have to go back in and get cut up again. The, the, the resilient thing about you, though, and it still to this day amazes me. And it's one of the, the biggest things I'm impressed with uh, besides your uh, receding hairline. Uh, is 
<laughs> the fact that they told you you probably wouldn't even walk right again, let alone ever skydive again. Uh, don't ever fucking think about making a jump again. And now you're how many thousands and thousands of jumps later? Yeah. Yeah. They told me that. Yeah. They said, forget about it. You forget about running again for sure. You're always going to walk with a limp. You're going to have all these, these problems. I mean, of course, they just gave me the entire fucking list as the stuff that I can't do. Yeah skydiving on the top top of it they're like you'll never skydive again like forget about it you're just gonna fuck yourself up you're gonna paralyze their whole life um if there's one thing I, i've learned and this is probably just the opposite of what you're supposed to be thinking but i never fucking listen to doctors <laughs> you know they always, like, you know i've never had one tell me the right thing it's just they always tell you what you're not supposed to be doing and i, I don't know if it's just to cover their own ass on the way out the door sure it is. or what it is but I'll tell you, you're not going to be able to do this. Don't even think about doing that. And that's going to cease altogether. And that's just one of the things I think I'm really good at is just not listening to doctors. You know? <laughs> <laughs> doing my own thing. At the end of the day, I think you have to listen to your own body. You know what I mean? And say, okay, well, that, that, that kind of hurts, but it's not fucking me up. I'm good to yeah, go. Yeah. Well, it was you well after all that stuff that actually um, spurred me to start doing some uh, uh, races and stuff, some triathlons, because you, after all that shit, had decided you were going to go out and fucking do a triathlon. And uh, you trained your ass off. You had coaches and all this stuff. And, and this is when you were living uh, high on the hog in, in Vegas, but... Uh, um, you went out and, and banged out your first triathlon, got yoked as fuck. You were like this six foot, three inch tall monster of a man that decided to go out and, and do this triathlon. And, and then you threw down the gauntlet and dared me to do the same thing. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. And I think, I think I needed that at that time, just going through all that, all that shit and trauma with my body. I just kind of felt like, fuck, I'm like half the man I used to be. I'm like, nah, you know what? Fuck that. No, I'm not. I'm all over it. Yep. I'm all over it. And I just, I, I kind of needed something like that to, to put myself back up on my, I've got this, I've got this game kind of, kind of attitude, Yeah, which I've still maintained, you know? And, and, and I just remember you talking, like you just asking all the fucking questions. And I actually, I remember this. I remember the conversations we had because it started out. I was just kind of blowing my own horn about how fast I was in the pool. Right. And you're like, I just, I'll start swimming. I, I'm, I just started doing this. And I was like, you know, here's my time. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Say again? Yeah, yeah, I just started doing swim. Here's my, I'm doing this for my 50 and this is my 100. I'm like, nah, no, you're not. And I had like one of the best coaches in, you know, in Vegas. This guy was like teaching all of And of course I had, like you said, I had the money at the time. So I was just kind of throwing down these guys. And he led me believe I was, I was fairly decent and fairly fast at, at, at my swim. And I, I always felt comfortable with my swims, you know? And then here you are fucking throwing me these videos. I'm like, nah, I wasn't believing you at first. I'm like, nah, put your phone down. Hit record. Let me see your pace because you're not you're writing the times down wrong or something, dude. And you're like, yeah, okay. And I remember getting your little your text, the video text of you doing it. I'm just fucking watching you, going, "Are you fucking kidding me? You're <laughs> fucking fish, dude." I was like, dude, all right, I take it back. You didn't write your time down um, improperly. You just fucking are a fish. <laughs> I'm just You've got to do a triathlon, man. You're fucking smoking it on the fucking swim. Well, I, I, of course, it was around the time you start. Yeah. Of course, what that ended up doing was uh, uh, I ended up really, really fast in my swim in the triathlon, which gave me great fucking views of all the people racing past me on the bikes and the run. So I had amazing views of getting passed up for the rest of the fucking races, for sure. <laughs> but I beat them all out of the water, which was good. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, and there's always one thing. Always, always. Well, but you did all of that stuff after all these injuries and after the doctors told you you were never going to do any of that shit. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Yeah. But then you went to Australia yeah. and discovered beer. <clears throat> yeah. Well, you know, I was actually, I, I was still keeping into the gym and I was still doing, doing the right thing. But I'll tell you what, man, the fucking Australians, they love to drink over here. That's, that's their favorite fucking pastime <laughs> and their present. But uh, yeah, so I, I did drink a few more beers here, toward, especially the last few years. But um, yeah, no, at first I, I, I tried to keep it, tried to keep it on the up and up. But I was drinking quite a bit in the mines, as everybody did at the end of the day. Sure. You know, you work 12, 15 hours in a day. A lot, the, the only thing you're thinking about is is, is a fucking few beers, you know. So, but uh, I think, yeah, well, I mean, I think the last. Well, and, and we've hung out a couple of times over the last few years, and, and uh, uh, I mean, neither of us are exactly what you could call grown-ups. We're just old, <laughs> old fucking teenagers. Um, but, uh, um, so, well, how old are you now? Uh, 30. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> 45. So you're 45 years old. You just now got your sleeve tattoo. <laughs> yep. So you're completely inked out. <laughs> I'm a late bloomer, bro. Late, late bloomer, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're completely inked out. You got a sleeve, a chest piece, and all this stuff. You've embraced skydive for life type of stuff. You kicked the beer, but you've kicked the beer because, and I want this on public record, you've kicked the beer because you're going to do what with me in November? Yeah, man, we're doing uh, Mount Everest Base Camp. Fuck yes. Coming up. We are hiking to yeah. Base Camp in Mount Everest, just you and me. Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? We're always doing fucking things like that together, aren't we? Yeah. Well, the last time you always and I hiked up a mountain together, it was up Mount Charleston with like a <laughs> bottle of Valium between us in the middle of a blizzard. Do you remember that? I do, man. I, I can't remember if we were – I think we had a bunch of pain pills in us to begin with, which is why we had the brilliant idea to climb up the fucking yeah, hill. Yeah, because one of us was recovering from a surgery. <laughs> I don't remember which one, but one, either you or me was recovering from a surgery. So we had a bunch of pain pills and a bunch of fucking Valium and took my pickup truck to go up to Mount Charleston. We were going to go up to the, the lodge in Mount Charleston because it was snowing. We thought it would be cool for some reason. We made it halfway up the mountain and my fucking rear wheel drive pickup truck, that was it. So being right. way, way too many in, we decided, fuck it, let's just park the car here and walk the five miles up the mountain in the blizzard <laughs> while whacked out of our minds with a bunch of prescription painkillers and actually had two adorable girls in a massive pickup truck with four-wheel drive pick us up. Yep. And that was that was a good hike, man. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. And then ended up at the lodge. I think we drank fucking uh, hot toddies, coffee and Kahlua <laughs> for hours. That's right. <laughs> we are not uh, we're not coming back to me now. Yeah, we're not gonna do that for Everest. <laughs> we're not gonna do that for Everest. Up to some reason, I don't think there's going to be any hotties picking us up in their SUV and taking us back down. No, I think we're on no, our own. No, no, no. Clean and sober is the way to go. Those those days are long behind both of us. I think. Yeah, they were damn fucking fun. I have, had a, I have had a good year this past year, though, man. Yeah, I, uh, I was on a good one. Yeah, I was. Uh, like I've been. Oh, I, like I said, I just just taking taking a bit of a break. I kind of go up and down. But I was drinking uh, 18, 24 beers a day Jesus for like Christ. the last year. Full on alky, man. Yeah, full on. But, but um, I'm a function, I was a functional alcoholic. <laughs> 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 it's possible. 
quite, quite, quite enjoying it. Yeah. Well, for sure. Well, I, Went over I loved when I got the message from you saying, yeah, I'm off to beers and it's time to start training for Everest, which is fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. A couple, few months ago, I was just like, literally overnight, I was like, yeah, uh, I'm done. I'm over it. I literally, that was, I, I cleaned, cleaned their fridge out, threw all the beers away. I was just like, yep, done. I just, I flip a switch on when I do that stuff like that. Yeah. And I literally had, I had no, um, I didn't go through any kind of withdrawals, nothing, man. No sweats. Everybody was like, oh, you're going to be sweating. You're going to be fucking hating it. Nothing, man. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, just straight into the gym and starting eating healthy. And I was just, yeah, that didn't, didn't phase me a bit. Well, over your life, how many surgeries now over your life total? Uh, not that many. It's just, um, so I've had, I've had the, the, the neck, the one, C4, S1, F4, five. Um, I had to go back for the, so just just in the back and neck, um, four different surgeries, oh. but they were quite quite surgeries, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I I, I should have had. They were trying to take my uh, uh, two years ago. They tried to replace my knee. I had a quite a, a weird landing out here, um, just thermals and winds and stuff. I, I just I was just tiptoeing it in, and I got picked back up in the air oh. and thrown over about forty feet to my left and and put back onto the beach. But my knee just kind of went pop, pop in and out. Sure. And what I did was I tore the meniscus, the um, um, ACL, and my um, uh, what's it, the one on the side? I forget what it is. And then I shattered the kneecap. I I, I shattered it in five different places. Was, I went in. They put this dye in my knee, and it showed every crack and crevice that that was torn. Oof. And you could just see the. You can see the five cracks through my kneecap, and you can see the tears all through my 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 tendons and ligaments. And my knee, of course, was almost the size of a football. Sure. It was huge for for quite a long time, but I was still jumping. I was la just landing on my left leg. Yeah, just never, I had three braces on my knee. I had that little, that really tight one, the little, you know, the little. <laughs> and then I had the one, the little thing on the outside, and then the Velcro one over top. I had three braces on it just to keep it fucking straight. But uh, yeah, I went to the doctor and he's like, "Yeah, you're done. You're fucking done." I'm like, "Yeah, okay, doctors again. I'm not done. <laughs> Trust me." <laughs> of course, I was just at that time. I had my fingers crossed, going, "Nah, maybe it's just no." He's talking about. All right. All right. <laughs> but that was within within three months, man. I, I literally I was uh, I was walking without the braces, and you know, last year I was running on it just fine. Which is so awesome. my knees, yeah, just kind of. Like, no. Well, I asked about the kind of I asked about the surgeries because I'm about ten surgeries in now. I am ten surgeries in, and and uh, if you're a victim of American healthcare, you know that the first thing the doctors do out there is throw uh, opioids at a problem. Um, you yeah. and I were both. Uh, I can't. I, I couldn't even fathom if I had to how many pills I've swallowed that were prescribed and recommended to me by doctors over the years um, for all the surgeries and the injuries that I've had. Um, and I think, yeah. um, you probably, uh, over the years gained the same skill that I have in that they did that to me so many times that when that bottle's empty and you run out of those pills, you just have to learn to deal with it. So being able to just open up your fridge and chuck the beer is the same as looking at that empty pill bottle with a doctor going, yep, nope, you should be feeling fine now. It's the same thing. You just kind of yep. learn to deal with, okay, this might suck for about a week. And you just learned to deal yeah, with it. That's right. You know, I mean, after... And, and those were... What's that? I'm, so, I'm sorry. I was going to say, and those are quite... That was quite hard getting off of the opiates. I remember 
being on on a, on a shitload of those as well every day and just going okay I'm, I'm done now and i mean honestly i could have stayed i could have stayed on for years if i wanted to which is this is why the health system is so fucked because everybody just takes the piss they go yep i still need them i still need them and you don't need them yeah yeah well and i you mean know? it's finally getting to the point uh, i think there where um there there's such a uh, crisis with it all that they're not pushing it like they used to but you and i are definitely survivors of that age because we were actively injuring ourselves at a time where the very first thing a doctor did was throw super strong drugs at you i mean you're basically just eating highly refined heroin every damn day uh so i think maybe you either fall into the pit where you can't control that anymore or it's like you and me where you just go oh okay i can handle this and you just walk the fuck away from it you know i I like to say i don't have an addictive personality but i don't necessarily know that that's true i just have the ability to to cope with it in a way that a lot of people don't i think or maybe i'm talking out of my ass no, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I had the, I this, and I've gone through a few of them. And I, I was, you know, I gone through the whole, I mean, as, as a lot of us have, I had the, the whole cocaine addiction when I was in my teens and I had to stop and, you know, <laughs> assess myself. And cocaine was a fun one. I actually got addicted to cocaine on purpose, if that, if that makes any fucking sense. Only if you're Sam <laughs> Kinison. Yeah. Well, I, I, this was just before. Yeah. So I, it, I couldn't quite grasp why, <laughs> how someone could be addicted to, addicted to a drug or a substance and just not stop. Right. Right. So this, is, this is my whole theory in my fucking teenage head at the time. Right. So I told all my friends, I'm like, you're right, get ready for it. I'm going to, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get addicted to cocaine and just quit. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to, I just want to see what it's about. And I want to see if I can actually stop using after I'm addicted. All right. They're like, you off your head. I'm like, no, this is what I'm going to be doing. So I went through the whole process, got the, I, three or four months later, I realized, and I, I don't want to tell you the whole fucking story, but at the end of the day, I'd lost my house, my girlfriend, my fucking dog, everything. So you succeeded. Right? I succeeded. And I didn't realize that towards the end, I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm like, oh yeah, I did this on fucking purpose. <laughs> you fucking idiot. <laughs> so, and I literally, I mean, you know, the whole lot, I mean, just sitting there shaking and sharing, that was a hard one. I and mean, that was the first really hardcore thing that I stopped that it was, I was fully addicted to. And that was, that was a, that was a painful one. The shakes and the crying and wow. what is life about? Why me? You know, the, the, whole, the whole train spotting <laughs> kind of thing, huh? Exactly, man. But it was, uh, that was, I think that set the tone for everything. And I'm like, you know what? I went through that and nothing's going to fucking, nothing's really going to phase me. And honestly, it hasn't. I've, I've quit a lot of different little substances after that and it's hasn't really phased me a bit, you know? Well, that's good though. I mean, fucking hell, if you're going to come through something, being able to come through it for the better and not the worse is really important. Really fucking important. And especially, especially as you're getting older, I mean, 45 years old is no spring chicken anymore. And and you're still doing a very hardcore young man's job. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't feel like that though. No, I still feel mentally. I still feel like I'm fucking 18. Everything just hurts more. I still, I mean, I know I act like a little kid, but I still feel like a pretty, pretty young man. I'm, I got my little pains and creaks and tones everywhere, but I'm, I'm still, still feeling pretty, pretty epic, man. And, and loving, loving life and loving my job and just loving things, man. I'm, and I think most people at 45 are just kind of going, fuck, fuck, man. What am I doing? What am I doing? This, this sucks. And I'm just, I'm pretty fucking happy, dude. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm in a good spot, man. I'm in a real good spot. And I have been for a long time. Just, um, I'm, and I think it's because I love doing what I do, of course. you know, and just following my own train and, and I'm 
and I always have, you know, I'm just kind of, I'm still in that mindset of, yeah, I got this, this is good. I'm going to do what's good for me. And yeah, that's the best well, way. You know, it's kind of funny. I've talked to a couple of the guests that I've had on that had the traditional lives all wrapped up and then chucked it to come to this life. You and I are a little bit different in that. I don't think we ever went down the traditional path. Uh, I never no. walked that traditional path. I tried it after I had already been in this lifestyle and this mentality, uh, but I didn't start out with the goal of I'm going to go be an accountant or a banker or a businessman or, or this or that. I started out going, I think I'll take off my pants for money, um, <laughs> you know, and not a traditional path. So um, it, it's a little easier, I think, for us to embrace it. Uh, at least that's what I think. Yeah. You know, cause we've just, we found this passion in this and I, I don't know any other way. I just, I, I fell in love with, uh, well, the, it's the reason the podcast is called the lunatic fringe. I fell in love with the lunatic fringe a long, long time ago and wouldn't want to go any other way. So for younger jumpers coming up, um, or people that are getting a little stale in the sport and, and, uh, are thinking about walking away or, or people that are just looking for a little inspiration, what advice have you got to new jumpers, uh, long time jumpers, what do they need to be thinking about to keep the same drive and the passion that you clearly have moving forward? No, man, I think it's just, um, keep following your notes, really. I mean, if you're loving doing it, why, why, why ruin a good thing? Just keep, keep, keep flowing, keep with the flow. You know, I think if you're true to yourself at the end of the day and you're just loving doing what you're doing, I think everything else kind of falls in place in your life. Mm. And it's not just in general, but I think if you just, doing what you think is the right thing, I think everything works out in your life, you know? Which is fucking awesome. So, yeah, yeah I, I'm, you know, I subscribe yeah. to the same thing. As long as what you love and what you do doesn't hurt anybody else, go for it. Yeah, all over yeah, it. Man. Yeah. Well, so uh, um, before we get going, uh, when are you going to start this training for Everest? Because I'm, I'm not going to fucking wait for you. Uh, I've seen your training, man. You're fucking, what are you, what are you climbing? What do you say? Two miles up the hill, up um, the stairs? Yeah, do I do it in my, I climb in my building. I go, um, I got a 30 story building and I do it four times, um, with, uh, well, it depends on how hard I'm going, but usually 30 pounds, 30 to 40 pounds of weight on me. Um, so it's like, uh, 1300 foot climb a day, six, seven days a week. Yeah. So I was thinking, um, after you, Posted that I was thinking that you're going a bit light because I'm at least um, I'm I'm a couple hundred pounds. So I think the 30 pounds you're carrying on your back is just not enough because if I actually hold on for what is it, 14 days, it's going to wear you out if you're not used to. Carrying I should I should yeah, I should get used to. Well, I asked him to custom make me. Um, <laughs> I bought this really nice backpack and it's huge. And I, I figured I'm going to cut holes for your legs. So you, your legs, Perfect. your legs can go through. Um. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Well, at least we're on the same page. Dude. Yeah. yeah. We're on the no, same I know page. I'm going to have to carry your ass up there. That's, there's <laughs> no fucking doubt about it. No, man, I'm like, it's kind of funny because I tell people that that's my goal. That's my bucket list for my big birthday is I want to fucking, I want to make it to Everest Base Camp. And uh, I've talked to people that have done it and they're like, dude, it is no motherfucking joke. Like lots of people don't make it to base camp because they just can't fucking do it. And it's not that the hike, or, really? yeah, it's not that the trek is that hard. It's that uh, it's a difficult trek with the oxygen is just lower and lower and lower because you're hiking up to over 18,000 feet. Well, 
So I'm like, you know something? If I'm going to do this, I'm going to fucking train for it because I am not going to be one of those guys that almost got to see Everest. But they ask, are you going to climb it? And I'm like, fuck you. No, no, I'm not going to climb it. Uh Uh-uh, no. I'm getting the mask as well. I don't know if you've gotten the mask already, if you're prepared for that, but I'm, I'll be getting the, uh, the mask as well. That's going to cut your oxygen. It doesn't, though. I'll tell you what. It's it's a good idea, um, but all it's going to do is build your lung and diaphragm strength. Um, it does not okay. limit your oxygen. So I did a little research because obviously um, the lower oxygen levels are what you try and prepare for. Those masks don't limit oxygen. They just make it harder to breathe in. So no matter what, you're still breathing in the same volume of air. You just have less oxygen okay. in that air, and there's no way to simulate that except to go up. So, yeah, right. the mask is a good idea, and the mask will help you control your breathing and um, lower the freak-out factor for, you know, feeling like you're always out of breath. But it won't yep. it won't do anything to build up more red blood cells. The only thing that's going to do that is going up there. Sure. But start – Yeah, right. Yeah. But definitely, I'm going to – yeah, I'm at the gym. I'm on the stair stepper every day. I'm in the pool, man. I'm I'm doing my little things. I I do need to start climbing a bit more, you know. Cool. Um, I'm getting ready to. Uh, I'm looking forward to actually going to Hawaii and and um for for a couple months. Nice. Um, and in, in two weeks, yeah. So I'll be I'll be looking forward to hitting a little mountain there. So anything I can that that's uphill, awesome. It's going to be good for me. actually for anybody training for anything like that. Just going up, up. like what you're doing is fucking epic. Yeah, I was I was that's pretty good, man. Cool, cool. Well, shit, man. Looking forward to it. I cannot, absolutely cannot wait for the Everest trip and my my big fucking birthday. There's only a few people that I would ever want on there to be you and Junior and and Jim uh, that would be fucking amazing on that. And so, uh, yeah, I'm going to be just counting the days until we're flying into Nepal. Nice. Me too, brother. All right, brother. Well, keep chucking those drogues. Keep uh, keep keeping on and and stop fucking breaking yourself. No more injuries. (laughs) <laughs> uh, no promises. No promises. No more injuries, man. <laughs> All right. Much love to you, man. You too, brother. Take care. Take care, Bye. bro. Well, that's another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void Complete. And I got to tell you, the fucking coolest thing about this podcast is being able to sit down and talk with all of these amazing folks. Uh, I mean, from people like Derek, who are one of my closest friends in the world, to people that I hardly know. I'm getting to learn so much about everybody, and I'm so happy that I'm able to share these amazing and cool people with all you guys. Uh, At any rate, it's been another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, once again brought to you proudly in association with Blue Skies Magazine, which, as we all know, say it with me, it's the greatest magazine in the known universe. Go over to Blue Sky mag.com. You want to subscribe to the magazine if you don't already do so. You're going to want to get previously published issues. You're going to want to buy some of that cool swag that they've got going. You're also going to want to think about writing up some of your own stories because again, like I said, if I can write for these guys, so can you. And if you've got something to advertise, obviously Blue Skies Magazine is the place to go. Uh, For me, I am the fucking pilot. As always, the fucking pilot.net. That's where you can get links to every uh, way to download this podcast. All the platforms are there. You've also got direct links to both the books that I've written, the Blue Skies Mag's fucking pilot book, which is the collection of previously published uh, articles for the magazine, as well as The Accidental Stripper. Both of those available via that website or directly through Amazon in digital and in print.
print form. And if I can manage to finish it, the accidental stripper will eventually be coming out in audiobook form for those that like to sit back and listen. Again, it's been another fun edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. Can't wait to see you next time.